Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Guys, do you understand what you're getting in this series? You're getting principles that will change your life forever. So understand, it's an act of my will. It's not an emotional deal. Forgiving and forgetting are continual, past, present, and future. Because many people don't know the truth of the Bible, they can't live in freedom. They can't. It's wonderful to know that God gives us that freedom. We can just trust our life to Him. We all have to face the facts. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of our sinful state, we're destined for hell, where there will be a permanent separation from our Creator. But that's not the end of the story. You see, our Creator loved us enough to make a way for us to be forgiven. It's not by works. It's not by anything we can do. It's only through the blood of the perfect Lamb of God. It's only through Jesus. Because of His sacrifice, we have the opportunity to be cleansed and forgiven. But the choice is ours, whether or not we'll accept Him as our Savior. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. I'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 36, as he concludes our message entitled, Real Freedom. truth brings freedom because we can now discern Satan's lies. Look at verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you would be free indeed. What a lot of people say about that. Well, the first thing you ought to see from that is this. Let's read it the other way. If the Son, who is Jesus, doesn't set you free, you're not what? Free. We cannot free ourselves. So out of these verses, here's the first thing you want to write. Real freedom starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus himself said it. Back in verse 31, he says to the Jews who believed him. In verse 36, he says, if the Son sets you free. What does that simply mean to all of us? It just means this. Any person who becomes a true believer, a follower of Jesus, can be freed from their past, their sin, from their guilt, from their fear of death from the bondage of sin, and they can enjoy a life for God, uh, enjoy every day, and we'll talk about this next week, don't miss next week, they'll be able to reach their potential for God because they're free. But understand this this morning. Some of you are here, and you're good people, and you're religious, and you come, and you're in church, but you've never, watch me, you've never done this in your life, and it doesn't have to be by kneeling, but, but you've never chosen To ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. See, there has to be a time when you, in your mind, know that you said to God this, I'm a sinner, please come into my heart. I want to be a follower of you. Have you ever done that? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you haven't, going to church, taking communion, being a good person, trying to keep the Ten Commandments, all of those things are wonderful. 
listen to me, unless the Son sets you free, you'll never be free of your sins. You'll never be free of your guilt. You'll never ever be free of the penalty of sin, which is death, and death results in hell. That's the confusion. So the very first thing, real freedom in your life, has to start at the cross where Jesus purchased our freedom. Now some of you are going to say, what do you mean freed from my sin? I'm a good person. Well, actually in verse 33 or so, the the Jewish people said, what do you mean freed from what? And these are the Jewish people who didn't believe in Jesus. They said, as the Jewish people, we have great history. Abraham's our father. We've never been in bondage. Duh. What do you think the exodus was? 400 years of bondage. What do you think the 70 years in captivity was? Bondage. I mean, the Jewish people have been in bondage their whole life. Look what Jesus says. I think it's very important because sometimes we like to make excuses to him. Look what he says in verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you, oh, here's this word again, the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Well, who is everyone that sins? Uh, Everyone. You were born in sin. So was I. So you can't sit out there and say this morning, I don't need to be born again. I don't need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Use whatever term you want. I don't need to be a Christian. I I never sin. Yes, you have. This word doesn't lie, and it says all have sinned and fallen short. So, second, real freedom expands by knowing the truth of God's word. You see, when you and I become Christians, we become baby Christians. Now, that's hard for some of you to understand. But this morning, you might be 47 and accept the Lord today. Good. We have had people, lots of people in the other two services accept the Lord. Well, you start at the baby stage. And you have to learn scripture over and over and again. So real freedom expands by knowing the truth of God's word. The more I know the Bible, the more I'm taught the principles... The more, do you realize how fortunate you are to be in a place where God's word is taught? Not not me, in a place where God's word is taught. Most of you don't know this because you weren't here when we built this, but before this stage was built, we had a big hole dug here, right down into the dirt. It goes way down into the dirt. And in a metal box that will be there until Jesus comes. I put one of my old Bibles that my dad gave me. And every time I stand here, I'm standing on the truth of the word of God. Now, I might read you a joke from Mark Twain, but that's all it is, is a joke. Here's the danger. You're going to see in a moment, to abide, to stay in, to make it part of my life. Number one, when God calls you to do something, immediately Satan will come to you and say, it's impossible. God says in Luke 8, 27, I'm not going through all the verses this morning because it's time. All things are possible. Second, I'm too tired. You know, after I do three services, Saturday night, I used to do four. Now, I'm tired after this service, but I'm not tired. In fact, if you fill it up again, I'll teach again. Now, you don't understand this, and I don't say this because I love doing what I do. One hour of teaching, what I do, is equal to eight hours of manual labor. So, I'm going to the elders next week and ask for double time. No, I'm not. Because God's benefits, you've heard it are out of this world. Hallelujah. Next, somebody, God says to you, you need to do this. I'm not able. God says, I'm able. I'm able. What's the problem? Next, well, I'm not adequate. 
I don't have the skills. I'm just not adequate. God says, you are adequate. That's next week. You are gifted. Next. I can't manage. I can't bring. The, I mean, there's not even enough, enough money. I don't have the thing. God says, wait a minute. I'll supply 32% of your needs. You work for the rest. No, all of them. Here's a big one. I'm not smart enough. Amen. <laughs> but when I'm not smart enough, God says, I'll give you wisdom. Next. Pastor Mark, I'm not like you. I don't have enough faith. That's a lie from Satan. Because the scripture says God has given every single one of us a measure of faith. Next. Nobody loves me. I come here and nobody knows my name. Nobody loves me. Let me tell you this morning. If nobody ever loves you, God loves you. And I'll take that one every day. Next. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I just can't do it, God. Yes, you can do it. You can do all things through him. He lives in you. Understand, that's the mind game. You say, Pastor Mike, this is psychology. No, it's the truth of God's word. When I know that God guides where he provides, then I have to realize that all the fears, all the negativity, all the stuff is nothing but a lie from Satan. Number three, real freedom is experienced and enjoyed by obeying the truth. Knowing the truth is not enough. For those of you that are Christians, many of those verses that I put up, you can quote them, but you don't believe them for you. You see, Jesus said, if you know the truth, if you'll experience it, if you'll allow it to soak into your mind, you absorb it, you stay in it. That's why we teach most of the time, other than a few series, we teach through the word of God. Do you understand? You have to experience it and you have to obey it. Then you can enjoy your walk with God. You have to experience that. So many of you, you're not living in the freedom because you're afraid. You know the truth, but you're afraid to take that step of faith. And thus you're not free to enjoy life. Here's the key. Forgiving and forgetting are acts of our will. It's not a feeling. It may involve feeling, but it's a decision. We are never freed by an emotional or mental decision, but by obeying the truth. It's a spiritual thing that happens. Guys, do you understand what you're getting in this series? You're getting principles that will change your life forever. So understand, it's an act of my will. It's not an emotional deal. Forgiving and forgetting are continual past, present, and future. Because many people don't know the truth of the Bible, they can't live in freedom. They can't. It's wonderful to know that God gives us that freedom. We can just trust our life to him. Now turn with me to Genesis chapter 41. We've been taking these truths and applying them in the life of Joseph. Let me give you a little summary. Remember Joseph was a Jew, lived in Israel, 17 years old. His father Jacob had 11 other sons. They became jealous of Joseph and put him in a pit, abandoned him, and then sold him as a slave to Egypt at the age of 17. He's filled with hurt and rejection. They go back and tell their father that Joseph died. Joseph arrives in this foreign pagan land. He's immediately given to Potiphar, one of the guys that kind of rules the land under Pharaoh. Potiphar raises him up. Joseph's doing great. Potiphar's wife tries to get him into bed. 
over and over and again. Joseph does the right thing, refuses to go to bed. She lies to Potter. He tried to rape me. Joseph is thrown into prison. Second hurt. Forgotten and abandoned. In prison, all of a sudden, he comes across. By the way, he rises up again. He's doing well in prison. He's the leader in prison. They see his management skills. But Joseph, as he goes through this, he well, two of the Pharaoh's head people, the bread man and the, the wine taster, they're thrown into prison. They have a dream. Joseph explains the dream. And he says to the cupbearer, Pharaoh's going to call you and you're going to be freed. And when you're freed and you're in his service again, please remember me. I'm here and I shouldn't be in this prison. We discover that the cupbearer is free, goes back to Pharaoh, but he forgets Joseph. So here's the hurts. Brothers rejected. Lied about for doing the right thing. Rejected, abandoned. Totally forgotten by the cupbearer. But see, all along, it didn't matter what circumstances Joseph was in. He was able to enjoy real freedom. Why? Because God says in the book of Genesis, God enabled Joseph to forget and move on. God enabled Joseph to forget. So Joseph is, well, he's forgiven. He's forgetting. He's useful. He's joyful. He's positive while he waits for God to fulfill the dreams. His dreams were that one day God was going to use him mightily. One of the dreams was that his brothers and father were going to bow down before them. In other words, he'd be in some kind of a place of leadership. Now, he doesn't know when this is going to happen. It hasn't happened so far. Well, we know the rest of the story. Understand this this morning. Being free is not about our circumstances. If you're only, quote, free... When circumstances are good, this is the way your life's going to be. Paul and Silas are in jail, beaten, midnight, singing. They're singing. They're free, but they're in jail. That's Mark, that's an oxymoron. No, they're free, but they're, they're free here because they know God's still in control. Understand it this morning. The circumstances in life are not fair. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And they will till Jesus comes. And then he's going to correct it. So what happens? Well, two years go by. Pharaoh has a dream. He asks all his wise men. They go, duh. All of a sudden, the cupbearer remembers. Uh-oh. You know, Pharaoh, there's this young Jewish boy. He can tell you a dream. He does. All of a sudden, one day, Joseph comes. Comes to the palace. He's cleaned up, shaven. Had a little manicure, the whole deal. Stands before Pharaoh and says, I can't tell you the dream, but God can. And the dream was this. There's going to be seven years of great plenty and then seven years of huge famine through the world. So take 20% during those good years, store it up, and the whole world will come to you as well as you have enough. There was a dream. Look at Genesis 41:55. What does God find? God works away way beyond anything that could be imagined. Joseph goes from a prisoner in a lousy, dirty cell to second in command in one day. Well, here we are a few years later. Look at verse 55. When all Egypt began to feel the famine. So we're seven years past this. The people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Amazing. Here's Joseph. God is beginning to fulfill that dream. Skip on down to chapter 42, verse 1 and 2. Now, when Jacob, remember that's Joseph's father, learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, I don't have time to play with this one, but this is a great verse. Why do you just keep looking at each other? <laughs> he continued, 
I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. What happens now is Joseph's going to test his brothers. There's going to be a number of times they come back and forth from Egypt. Scoot over in verse 13. You're going to see that Joseph knows who his brothers are, but they don't recognize him. He's using an interpreter. Look at this. Joseph, by the way, has said to these guys, you, you didn't come here to buy bread. You came here to spy on us. Well, let me ask you this. First time uh, Joseph sees his brothers in front of him. Anything going on in his mind? It's been 20 years. Here's his brothers. They don't know him. He's second in command. <laughs> Ooh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I'm going to get really even with you guys. He said, well, Pastor Mark, nobody would think like that. <laughs> no, everybody thinks like that. Am I right? I'm going to get you. Well, here's what happens. Watch it. All of a sudden, it says in verse 13, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man. The youngest is now the, our father, and one is no more. They don't even know it's Joseph. Joseph said, I know that. You're spies. Here's how we're going to test you. And he says, basically, uh, uh, you're not going to leave this place until the youngest brother comes. So he says, I'm going to put you in prison for three days for you to kind of think about it. Verse 17 says he does. At the end of the third day, look at verse 18. Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison, while the rest of you go and take grain back to your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we're being punished because of our brother. Remember, they don't know this is Joseph. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an account, an accounting for his blood. By verse 21 and 22, just write this in your Bible. Guilty conscience. The brothers had lived in unforgiveness. How long? 20 years. When the mention of Joseph comes, every one of those brothers plays the tape. It's vivid. Here's the part where Joseph says, don't sell me. Don't put me in here. It's as if it happened yesterday. 20 years in unforgiveness. Some of you here match that today. And if there's 20 years of unforgiveness, how much freedom during those 20 years? Zero. They'd never been truthful to God and asked forgiveness. They'd never been truthful to their dad and said, Dad, we sold Joseph. He isn't dead. We don't know where he is, but they'd never done that. So 20 years they've experienced emotional stress, mental anguish, and never been freed. Well, what about Joseph? How will he handle this? He's been doing good before, but he never faced them until now. Look at verse 23. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. And he, Joseph, turned away from them and began to weep. How can you weep? Because you've lived in forgiveness. See, Joseph, listen, he doesn't have a hard heart. He's got a soft heart. He now sees because earlier in this, we didn't get a chance to read it. When the brothers came in, Joseph's second command, what did they have to do before Joseph? <laughs> they had to kneel down. Joseph goes, 20 years later, wow, the dream, it's becoming real. Remember what I told you before, be careful. Don't get ahead of God. You can't manipulate God. You have to wait 
for his timing in your life. It's been 20 years. Joseph sees him. His heart's soft. He's lived in forgiveness. He's lived in freedom, even though he's been lied about, even though he's been cheated, even though he's been abandoned, even though he's been forgotten. He's been in freedom. His brothers are in freedom. Never been in jail for 20 years, living every single day, but every single day with guilt. Affected them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He weeps. Skip over to chapter 45. Now we go back and forth a couple times quickly. I'll just paraphrase this. Finally, they beat with Joseph again. They've gone back to get grain and come back. A lot of things have happened. You can read it later. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loud that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. You might need a CPR kit. He said, I'm, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. No kidding. And Joseph said to his brothers, I like this one, come close to me. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Uh-oh, it's over. It's done. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Underline this, circle this in your Bible. It's huge. Because it was to save lives. Look down at verse 7. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth. We'll talk about that next week. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of the entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. What did Joseph say? He said this. You sold me. But God sent me. Now, was Joseph minimizing their sin of selling him into slavery? No. He was just explaining that God overruled that sin and turned it into something good. God was able to take that difficult situation. The guy should have never done it. It was a sin. They sinned against God. But God took it and he rearranged the circumstance and was going to make something incredibly good. In fact, something so good that from this tribe of Judah would come Jesus Christ. What does that bring us to? Romans eight twenty eight. You see it on the overhead. We know that God causes... of things to work together. How many? All. Everything. To work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. You see, God wants us to know the truth so we can trust Him in every single area of our life. Are you living in real freedom? Can you trust God in every area of your life? Are you afraid to obey God? Are you studying God's Word? Are you staying in it? Are you obeying it? Have you forgiven and forgotten those who have hurt you? Have you moved on in your life? Or are you still living in this this past stuff? What are you expecting God to do in your life today? Joseph was expecting good even while he was in jail waiting for God to fulfill the dream. What are you expecting? Well, here's the truth. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Joseph learned to trust him when things didn't even make sense. That brings an incredible amount of freedom to our everyday lives. In the end, God will work out everything for our good. In today's message, we learned that in order to live in freedom, we need to forgive and be forgiven. First and foremost, we need to come to the understanding that we've sinned and are in need of Savior. 
we need to accept Jesus into our hearts and become born again. Then, as we live this life, we'll encounter those who offend or hurt us. We need to remember how we've been forgiven and extend that same forgiveness to others. To hear Pastor Mark's teaching from today's broadcast again, log on to www.lessonsforlivingradio.com. That's lessonsforlivingradio.com. Once you're there, simply select today's date from the Lessons for Living media player. You can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Another great option to stay up to date with Lessons for Living is to download one of our mobile apps. There's an iPhone or Android-based app that's available free of charge. Simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link. Now, be sure and tune in next time, as Pastor Mark will remind us that God truly knows what's best for us. We need to trust Him. Remember that it is God who created us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so it's with that understanding that we need to trust Him and His plan for our lives. His ways are higher than ours. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.